Hi, everyone. This is the 10,000 Depositions Later podcast. I'm Jim Garrity. Today in episode two, we're covering tools for capturing testimony. This is part one of a two-part episode, so be sure to catch both segments for full coverage of the topic. We're going to cover three different ways to capture and preserve witness testimony. Depositions, examinations under oath, which are similar to depositions but in a superficial way, and affidavits. We'll also go over the factors you should consider for picking which method to use and when to pass on a deposition entirely. Okay, so this is a podcast about taking and defending pretrial depositions. On the taking side, it's about using the most effective tool for capturing and preserving testimony to support your case. For that reason, it's important that you consider the available tools for doing so. And in most situations, it's going to be a deposition. But there are two other possibilities, and I want to talk about both of them. One is a sworn statement, commonly referred to as an examination under oath, or EUO. EUO is a term well known to the insurance industry and its attorneys. In simple terms, an EUO is simply a recorded or transcribed statement, much like a deposition, and intended to capture a declaration of the insured. But this kind of tool has great value in the context of litigation and pretrial depositions as well, as you'll see. And the third option is a simple affidavit. Now, assuming you know who the likely witnesses are, you should actively think about which tool, deposition, EUO, or affidavit, will best serve your needs. All three have pluses and minuses, so let's take a look at each choice and the features and benefits of each. And we'll start with depositions. Depositions, of course, are the most formal of the three choices. A deposition is a formal examination of a witness, friendly or unfriendly, in the presence of opposing lawyers, party representatives, and possibly others. Depositions require advance notice. They allow you to use the power of a court subpoena to force witness attendance at a time and place of your choosing. And depositions are conducted pursuant to well-established rules of court. As a practical matter, this is how you'll gather testimony most of the time through a deposition. The chief advantages of using a deposition to capture testimony include the following. First, the governing rules and procedures are well established, and for that reason, most lawyers automatically default to that approach, sometimes too often, and without thought about the alternatives, but because they're comfortable with the process. Second, your staff is likely most familiar with the deposition process. Third, depositions work well when you can't talk freely to the deponents because A, they're openly hostile to you and won't talk to you voluntarily, or B, they're represented by counsel, or C, they hold some position that, because of ethical constraints, prevent you from having direct contact with them. Another benefit of deposition testimony is that because of the rules, deposition testimony is generally admissible in court if the witness proves to be unavailable at the time of your hearing or trial. Also, depositions tend to expose deponents to the sharpest level of examination, which is a useful test in figuring out whether your witnesses can take the heat or whether this is a case that you should settle. Also, you can learn a great deal about the opponent's case by listening to their examination of each witness, especially your client if you're defending. 
The questions asked by opposing lawyers of either your client or of third-party witnesses, should you choose the deposition path, will reveal information of considerable value to you. What point is the opposing lawyer trying to score in this case? What information does the lawyer have that you didn't appreciate? What is their case theme? What documents do they have that you might not have been aware of? So, significant value in choosing the path of depositions for gathering witness testimony. Let's talk for a second about the disadvantages of depositions, and they include the following. First, obviously, depositions are the most costly form of capturing testimony. It's very easy to run up thousands and thousands of dollars in court reporter fees when using depositions as your primary tool for capturing testimony. Court reporters generally charge between $350 to $650 a page. Most also charge an appearance fee, and that fee may be per deposition, or it may be for the entire day. You've got to check that out in advance. Appearance fees may be even higher if your depositions continue after hours or on weekends. Even more, some reporters now add other fees and charges for things like litigation packages, travel, and more. If you're defending the case, your client or insurance adjuster might limit your ability to incur deposition-related expenses, so you've got to keep that in mind when developing your discovery plan. And if you represent a plaintiff, deposition costs that eat into and reduce your client's share can make it harder for you to settle. Also, deposition testimony can weaken your case prematurely. Compared to EUOs and affidavits, which are done outside the presence of other lawyers, depositions are specifically conducted in the presence of and often by opposing lawyers. So weaknesses in third-party witness testimony, whether from what they have to say or how they say it, will be out in the open for everyone to see as soon as the depositions take place. And finally, depositions can be more complicated to set up because you've got to coordinate multiple schedules in order to set them. Let's talk for a second now about examinations under oath or EUOs. An examination under oath, commonly referred to by that acronym EUO, is simply a sworn examination in the presence of a court reporter. And so it resembles a deposition in that superficial respect, but there are also major differences. First, an EUO is not conducted pursuant to rules of court. That means you didn't and don't have to follow the rules of court for taking an EUO. It means you didn't serve a formal notice of taking deposition on anyone. It means you didn't coordinate schedules with other lawyers. And it means you didn't, because you couldn't, use a subpoena to ensure the witness's presence. A chief advantage of EUOs over depositions is that you can question and lock down the sworn testimony of witnesses without any interference from opposing lawyers. In some cases, all conduct EUOs to bind most of the witnesses before the first formal deposition has been noticed by anyone. EUOs can also be taken before a case is filed, and because those folks will be under oath even though there is no pending lawsuit, they will have no room to shift their testimony later on. You'll often see the term EUO in the context of insurance litigation or insurance claims. Insurers take EUOs of their insureds as part of their assessment whether an incident is covered, and as you may or may not know, many insurance policies, if not most of them, contain clauses that require the insurer to submit to an EUO if and when the insurer makes a request. But this tool has widespread value and applicability in litigation. Let's talk about some of the key advantages of EUOs. 
First, as I mentioned, you can set them whenever it's convenient for you and the witness. There's no need to coordinate with hordes of people because they're not going to be there. So you can use them to swoop in, meet with witnesses, and bind them to their testimony before anyone else has done so. The fact that you have no obligation to notify the opposing lawyer because these are not being done pursuant to rule of court or pursuant to the applicable rules governing depositions means that you may likely be the first lawyer to question the witnesses, which is a critical advantage. Also, the product generated by an EUO, a transcript, carries the same weight and credibility as an actual deposition transcript. As lawyers, we are all conditioned to see court reporter-generated transcripts as reliable accounts of information, perhaps the most reliable account. So think about this. The EUO is taken before a court reporter who captures every word. There can simply be no doubt that the testimony is that of the witness and not of a lawyer who sat down and handcrafted an affidavit that said exactly what the lawyer wanted to say and perhaps, in some occasions, not quite exactly what the witness would have said on their own. Further, because the transcript captures everything you say, there can be no claim of unfair manipulation or intimidation of the witness's testimony. You'll be sure to ask witnesses at the outset of your EUO whether they have been told of the questions in advance, and the answer is going to be no, whether they've been promised anything by you, by your office, by anyone else, your client perhaps, promised anything for their testimony, the answer is going to be no. You're also going to make clear on the record that the witness came voluntarily, understands they remain there voluntarily, and were not forced to come. The answer to all of that is going to affirm your position. These answers will build on the credibility of the statement and, of course, will prevent the witness from turning on you later should the witness have some incentive to claim that you pressured them to say whatever it was they said in the statement. Because EUOs are overlooked by many, if not most lawyers, you're typically going to have that first shot at the witnesses. Now compare that to what happens when you choose to schedule depositions instead. Sometimes, opposing lawyers who get your notice of deposition or who simply get an email with your proposed lineup might immediately begin approaching your proposed opponents, distort your side of the case, possibly turn the witness against you, or engage in other conduct that might have the impact of causing the witnesses to be more recalcitrant about what they would have said in the deposition absent this kind of interference. And that, of course, can cause your opponents to become very reluctant to share everything they know and can sharply reduce the value of the deposition in the first instance. So a critical value of an EUO, as I've said several times during this segment, is that you can reach out early and unilaterally, schedule the statement unilaterally, and conduct it in an environment entirely free of intimidation. Because EUOs are sworn, they are eminently more valuable than simply interviewing those witnesses using the traditional pen and pad, and they are perfect with cooperating witnesses. The friendly, low-stress environment of an EUO enhances the odds of, that you're going to get quality testimony versus the sometimes very disruptive environment of a deposition where you may have lawyers barking out objections and every time there's another objection, you can literally see the witness sink back in their seat wondering if it was something they did and becoming more and more hesitant to speak freely. Once the EUO is done, if you choose that path, it might save you the need to depose that witness at any point in the future. And because EUOs are taken out of sight and out of mind of opposing lawyers, you are 
path in choosing this tactic could lull adversaries into thinking that you've actually done very little to prepare your case. As you've probably noticed, in some cases, some adversaries will craft their litigation plan around what they see you doing. The more you do, the more they do. The less they see you doing, the less they do. Now, that's a sometimes a very foolish and high-risk way to litigate a case, but it happens. Critical deadlines may pass before your opponents realize just how much work you've done. So a side benefit of EUOs is that your opponents may not have invested the time they needed to defeat you because they were entirely unaware of the effort you were putting in. They were, in effect, scanning the ocean surface looking for your ships while you were in a submarine passing silently beneath them. EUOs, because they can be conducted in the absence of a pending lawsuit, can be used effectively to resolve claims without the need or expense of actually filing the case. Your opponents will see those transcripts as authoritative even if they don't like the contents and even if there's no pending lawsuit. An actual EUO transcript of testimony under oath from key players in a given dispute will produce the same lump in the throat for adversaries as an actual deposition transcript. Another benefit is that you can use EUOs in mediations. It's a very effective shock and awe technique. There are very few things more devastating than when I pull out several transcripts from my briefcase, none of which the adversary has ever seen before, and begin reading devastating quotes from folks that are obviously involved in the controversy. Your adversaries will see that you are reading from an actual transcript, but they may have no idea who you're quoting. And that can take the wind out of the sails of even the most aggressive opponent. It can also severely undermine the confidence of others who are present at the mediation, including the actual parties themselves, other representatives, and insurers. If you choose to read excerpts from EUOs at mediation, you can keep the identity of the witness anonymous. And if you choose to circulate the transcript itself, you can redact the witness's name from the appropriate pages, redact the court reporter identification, and the date and time and location of the statement. Even if you opt not to show the adversaries or the mediator the actual transcript, the fact that you have them is going to carry great weight. As I sort of alluded to earlier, the use of an EUO to gather witness testimony as compared to an affidavit can have another uh, tremendous benefit for you, and that is that it can protect you from false claims by witnesses that you force them to sign an affidavit that you wrote and that contained things that you knew the witness could not say personally. I'm aware of cases, although I've never been involved in them, where lawyers have drafted affidavits in good faith and then had witnesses, typically unrepresented third parties, sign them under oath. Later, when those witnesses began to feel the heat from being involved in an adversarial legal proceeding, some claimed that the lawyer had pressured them to make the statements in the affidavit. And if a witness makes that kind of claim against you, you're going to have a hard path ahead, even if the statement ultimately proves to be untrue. For that reason, I never prepare affidavits for unrepresented witnesses. I always use EUOs. Once the statement's underway, I always ask them those that litany of questions that I mentioned earlier. Have you been promised anything? Did I promise you anything? Did my office, did my client, did I give you any information in advance? Have we ever talked before? Did we talk in advance about what we were going to discuss once we got on the record today? Has anyone pressured you in any way? 
and do you understand that your att your attendance here is voluntary and that you can get up and leave even in the middle of this statement telling you that you can get up and leave? I make sure I get crystal clear responses to each of those questions because that's going to be my insurance policy against future false claims from witnesses that might have otherwise turned on me. In fact, since I began using EUOs early in my practice, I have never had a witness subsequently claim that their testimony was the product of anything other than their own free will. All right, let's turn for a moment to some of the potential disadvantages of using an EUO. First, your transcript might not be admissible in an evidentiary hearing or trial in lieu of live testimony if the witness is unavailable at the time of the hearing or trial. Now you can use the EUO, assuming the witness is present, to refresh a recollection or to cross-examine a witness, and you can use them as you would an affidavit in opposition to motions that require evidentiary submissions, but you're not going to be able to use that EUO in its entirety in most situations if the witness proves to be unavailable at the time of the proceeding. But let me say this, while the possibility that using an EUO might leave you without testimony from a witness if the witness proves to be unavailable, consider this. Because most cases don't go to trial, even deposition transcripts are rarely used in court. So with the exception of the one situation where you chose the EUO path instead of a deposition, and now you're without a witness uh, at trial, something you can usually foresee well in advance, the chief functions of testimonial transcript are served as well in the overwhelming majority of cases by EUOs as by depositions. A few other shortcomings. To the extent it's important, your use of EUOs to gather testimony might not be the best test of how the witness may perform in front of a jury. In depositions where the witnesses are subject to hostile cross-examination, you'll see who holds their ground and who doesn't. So by exposing witnesses to that opposing examination, you'll get a better sense for what kind of case you're going to be able to present at trial. Also, I should mention that judges vary on the issue when and under what circumstances you must reveal the existence of your EUOs to opposing lawyers. If the EUO is attorney-client privileged or protected by a work product privilege, you may still have an obligation to reveal that you've taken EUOs on privilege logs or in general terms on a Rule 26 disclosure if you're in federal court. If disclosure is required, you'll need to decide based on the rules in your jurisdiction at what point you have to disclose it in order to be able to use it. Now, I've litigated this issue in front of several federal judges in multiple states, and I now disclose the existence of EUOs on my Rule 26 disclosures or appropriate logs. But all I say is something to the effect that I've taken confidential examinations under oath of witnesses that I have already otherwise disclosed on prior Rule 26 disclosures or in interrogatories. I do not specifically identify which witnesses I took them from. I don't reveal how many and I don't reveal the exact uh, date or location where I took them. I will reveal the month and year that I took examinations under oath so that if there's a fight, a judge can determine in my favor that they were taken either in anticipation of or subsequent to the commencement of litigation. In some cases, I've had opposing lawyers demand that I actually turn over the transcripts as soon as I disclose their existence as if they were somehow entitled to them, which frankly I have never understood, and I've never turned them over unless I chose to do so. 
nor has any judge ever required me to do so. In fact, to the contrary, the federal judges that I've litigated this issue in front of have sharply criticized my adversaries for their own lack of diligence in pursuing the same opportunities. One other point on EUOs, and then we'll wrap this up. On occasion, an opposing lawyer might falsely portray your EUO as a, quote, secret deposition. Occasionally, in actual depositions, a witness from whom you took an EUO might get confused. And when they're asked by an opposing lawyer, have you ever had your deposition taken before? They may say yes. They may point to you and say, he took my deposition or she took my deposition. Expect the opposing lawyer to explode at that point, but I say ignore it. I've had this happen to me on one or two occasions, and it was of no consequence to me. That's because in every EUO, as I mentioned before, I explain the differences between an EUO and a deposition. I go through the process, I explain how the rules work and why an EUO is different. And then I ask the witness if they understand that this is voluntary and it's not a deposition. And of course, all of them say yes. If necessary, if there should be a court battle about whether or not I conducted a secret deposition, I will produce the pages from the transcript where I ran through that litany of questions with the witness to the court to erase any doubt. Now, one last pointer about EUOs. If you did serve an EUO witness with a deposition subpoena or ever listed them on a deposition notice, make doubly sure that you don't take the EUO on the same day or even close to the same day that you had scheduled their deposition. This will help you avoid claims that you engaged in some kind of unseemly bait and switch by serving witnesses with subpoenas and then using the subpoena as a tool to leverage the witness's voluntary appearance for an EUO. So be sure to schedule that EUO at some date and time that is very different from what you had on their subpoena if it got served on them. Bottom line is that an EUO can be a very powerful tool in your arsenal, a very powerful alternative to a deposition or to an affidavit. It's just like an affidavit, the chief difference being that it's live and that someone else is typing down what the witness is saying. All right, and with that, part one on this topic comes to an end. Thank you again for listening. If you like the podcast, please recommend it to others. Leave a positive review and five stars on whatever site you use to retrieve your podcast. And please subscribe if you haven't already to make sure that you get each new episode automatically. Thank you again.